Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, July 17, 2015, and today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 100, the second paragraph, beginning with working with a man. Today's readers are Patty M, Lisa H, Monica T, Naomi B, and Deb W. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, July 16th, is share ID number 7834. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through share experience and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patty M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Patty M. from California. Thank you, Du, for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another, to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs past. Thank you, Patty M. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Lisa H., compulsive overeater from Tennessee. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa, for reading the Talk Traditions. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions. I'm sorry, um, I got off track here. How our meaning works, excuse me. Um, Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meaning does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page page 100, paragraph 2, starting when working with a man. And um, just to go back a little bit, our reference number for yesterday, Thursday, July 16th, share ID number 7834, just a reminder. And I will now ask Monica T. to begin our reading. Good morning, Duke. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. When working with a man and his family, you should take care not to participate in their quarrels. You may spoil your chance of being helpful if you do. 
but urge upon a man's family that he has been a very sick person and should be treated accordingly. You should warn against arousing resentment or jealousy. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember, when they are impatient, the blessed fact of his sobriety. So here we are in working with others, um, step 12, and I'm being given lots of information in this chapter as a sponsor, as a guide of what to do and not to do when I am working with um, a sponsee or with a sponsee's family. And so there's been, in, in this particular paragraph, I'm being given all kinds of information here. And in the very first thing, it said, take care not to participate in their quarrels. Um, and why? Because I might spoil a chance of being helpful if I get involved with that. And so as myself, personally, as a sponsor, as a big book guide, um, you know, I my only purpose is to guide somebody through the process of the 12 steps. And definitely, I you know, don't want to take part in any of the quarrels, listen a little bit, but to keep bringing them back to the big book and the answers that are found in the big book. And then they're going on here, you know, with the family to um, remind them that, you know, he's been really, really sick. And we have been really, really sick and to treat us accordingly. You know, like the big book says in other places that, you know, if we had cancer, how we would treat somebody if they have cancer. So keep that type of thinking in mind when you're dealing with the sick person. And that the defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Well, no, you know, here we are if you're just beginning to work with somebody and they don't even know, they don't know what they don't know and they can't see what they can't see because they haven't been through the steps, then it's real important to, you know, this is a process. It takes time. And um, ask them to remember when they are impatient the blessed fact of his sobriety. You know, he's made a big step. He's put down the alcohol. He's put down the food. And now, now the big the big work is going to start. Um, so lots of information of do's and don'ts as a sponsor, as a guide, and um, thank God for the big book. And I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Monica. Um, we're going to open it up for sharing. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I share? Bella. Nessa? Nessa? Renata. Did you say Sally? Well, I got Sally, I got Bella, and I got Nessa. Renata. Renata. Okay, we'll start with those four, and then we'll open up for more sharing. Sally, you're up next. Thanks. Good morning, Duke. Good morning, A Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. And I want to speak to this particular portion of the reading this morning. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember when they are impatient, the blessed fact of his sobriety. You know, I myself am ever in a period of growth 
and I am very impatient to be well, to be really well and recovered. Um, and while I have put the food down, I feel very much like Jen. He made a beginning. And even after three years, I feel that I'm still in a period of growth. And there's no doubt that I am still in a period of growth. And I wanted to point out on page 156, about 10 lines down the page, it's talking about Dr. Bob. It says the major liabilities of 30 years of hard drinking have been repaired in four, four years. That gives me great hope because here I am sitting after three years of um, putting the food down and um, working so hard these 12 steps. It's been three years, and here it's telling us that it took him four years. And I've, had, I've heard other people mention five years and other, other time periods. But what gives me hope is that it, I'm normal. Apparently, there's nothing really special about me or, or unique to my illness that I'm still in a period of growth. And that's what we see here this morning being said. And one other place that I want to, to highlight for you this morning is page 86. It tells us about halfway down the page, we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our... Sally, we can't hear you. Press star one. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Jill. For that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So this is part of the nightly review, and, and that's what I think they're harping on here on page 100. I mentioned this previously in this week, that this whole chapter seems to take us through the 12 steps one more time. And um, so when we get to this point, you should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. And that's part of what happens in the nightly review for me is that I'm ever looking at what's going on in my day and show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we are all growing forward? If we're never staying the same, that's been my experience in life. You're either going backwards or you're going forward. Let's keep going forward. That's what's happening for me today. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for letting me share, Do Bye. Thank you, Sally. Bella G, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Do, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. You should point out that that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Wow. Yes, this is exactly what I feel as a sponsor and as a sponsor, that I entered a period of growth. And what is my growth? That I am aware that I have my character defects, that I have to work on them. And I have those character defects because I am human. And we all are human, and we all have our character defects. And yes, this is our growth to be aware and to accept that we, that we are not perfect. I am not perfect and nobody else is perfect. And yes, my job in life is to work on my character defects. Sometimes it's easier than others, and it's okay. The growth is by being aware that 
Yes, I accept and admit that I am powerless. I am powerless, and this is why I am looking to be connected to to God, to the power of 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 perfect, and to the power to of acceptance. And this is my goal by being able to say, yes, I have character defect. You have your character defect, and it's. It's our job to work on them. They are not going to disappear and they are not going to be better overnight. This is my power to say yes, I am willing to work on them. Thank you thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Bella. Uh, Nessa R, you're up next. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R. I'm recovered in Toronto, Ontario, um, Canada. I am... Um, um, I guess <laughs> I don't have a lot to add after what's been said, uh, but I also look at this paragraph not only speaking to me as a sponsor, but speaking to me as a as a recovering compulsive overeater uh, because I need to persevere. I need to persevere in in my work and manage my expectations because if I don't manage my expectations, I can get disappointed and discouraged, and you know that the result of that disappointment and discouragement can be disastrous. So I have to <coughs> not only make sure that my sponsees have realistic expectations of the process of recovery, but my own expectations have to be realistic. Um, in, in teaching the big book, um, Joe and Charlie say that uh, working the sixth step, um, you know, becoming willing to have God remove these defects of character, we have to do our part. We don't just become willing and then ask and then close our fingers and or close our arms and sit on an armchair and wait. We have work to do, and the work to do is is to act as if. We need to act as if uh, we are the opposite of what we currently are. We act as if we already are what we want to be, what we want to become what God intended us um, to be. And that requires a lot of a lot of work and efforts, a lot of mental exertion and you know it's not realistic to expect that that after practicing my character defects for decades and decades and decades and I've become very good at it very good at being selfish very good at being dishonest and fearful and self-seeking and all and all that that in, in just a few short weeks or months or even a few short years that all that stuff is, is going to go is going to go away you know god needs to see truly that i am ready I'm ready to give them up, and so I need to persevere in my practice of acting as if I am um, already what uh, God wants me to uh, to be. And with that, I pass. Have a good weekend. Thank you so much, Nessa Art. Renata G., you're up next. Hi, dear. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., recovered compulsive read in New York. How appropriate this paragraph for me this morning because I have this exact situation with a sponsee yesterday. Um, she called, you know, her regular time, so you, we would read uh, the big book, and she said, oh, there's something going on, and, you know, she was telling me how her husband is, you know, brought up something to her attention, like, you know, a different compulsive behavior that she has, and she was, you know, asking me, what should I do, what should I say to him, what, you know, and I was very careful, like it says here, not to get in their quarrels, you know, and um, 
all you know what I said to her was all I can do for you is share my own experience you know and I I shared with her that I also had many many other compulsive behaviors not as strong as the food but once I've worked the steps and God has restored me to sanity you know, today I make more sane decisions. I'm not ruled my, by my emotions all the time and make impulsive decisions everywhere, you know, like overspending or getting together with guys that, you know, I have no business with or, you know, smoking or things like that, you know. And so, you know, being restored to sanity, right, being recovered means that today I have wholeness of mind. So I can make decisions today, you know, according to my higher power and not my self-will, not how I feel in that exact moment, you know, get something that's going to make me feel better for five minutes. And so, you know, and I always point out to them, you know, because like she's, she's we're about to start step three, but she can really see her character defect. You know, and I, I remind her, the food is down. For the first time, you're really feeling your feelings. You're seeing, you know, your parts on other relationships. And, you know, you're doing everything you can to recover. She's calling on time or reading the book. She does her assignments. I mean, what else can you do? And so now it's just to really keep believing that it's, you know, the same way the steps help me, it will help her. And uh, with that, I can't think. Thank you, Renata. Again, uh, who else would like to share on this paragraph before we Janet move on? Janet M. Melissa Singh. Mm-hmm. Melissa C. Reva P. I'm sorry, who else? Vasa O. Vasa O. Reva P. Reva P. Leslie P. Yes. Okay. All right, so we'll we'll open it up for those sharing. Uh, Janice M., you're first. Yes, good morning to you, Do, and good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, this is certainly, you know, speaking to me as a, as a guide, as a sponsor. Um, you know, when I'm working with somebody, they say they give us they give me um, as a guide a specific direction. Do not participate, you know, as was mentioned. Don't, you know, don't go along with them and get into their business. Why? This is the reason why. You may spoil your chance of being helpful if you do. As You know, here again as a sponsor, I may be tempted to overmanage or engineer, you know, somebody else's life. Well, (laughs) I know today because I am a recovered compulsive overeater, um, I'm reminded I am no longer running the show. And, you know, we are only trying to to help. You know, my, my job is to, to you know, um, not give advice, not give opinions. Um, perhaps, you know, that's inev- inevitable. But allowing um, others the right to be wrong reaps its own benefits. The best I can do is, you know, have them focus like I had to give my, share my own spirit, listen to them, share my own personal experience of what happened to me, you know, uh, before I got recovered, how I felt, how my family was, uh, uh, my husband or my son, um, because we're not counselors. 
We're not marriage counselors. We're not uh, whatever, psychotherapists. Um, I'm just going to hopefully try to guide them to implement these 12 steps so that they will change, and God's going to do that changing. And then they'll see things so much different, like I have in my family with my husband and son. Oh, man, I was going to, you know, leave him years ago. Years ago I knew for a fact that with all his character defects, you know, I have to focus on mine today. And I, I know it's like a paradox. Focus on you. We just got through of trusting, relying, and depending on God, no matter what happens in your, in, in your world, whether it's your husband, whether it's your job. It doesn't matter. You can still re- get recovered, and you will be changing, and you will see something different because that's what I trust, that your higher power, my God of understanding, will allow this to happen. We have to live our own life, which means tend to my own behaviors, tend to my own character defects, and let them live like theirs. But it's a guarantee if they work these steps that things will change and there is a higher power in charge, not me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Melissa C., you're up next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, when a sponsor shares with me the problems they're experiencing with their families, I I often have to gently guide them back to examining their own parts. Um, And I try to refocus them on their own behaviors and attitudes, their hurts and resentments. Um, I don't quickly take my sponsee's side and say, you're right, they're wrong. Um, Because I'm not here as the judge. You know, it's not, they didn't bring their problems to me and I'm going to, give them this incredible advice and wisdom. Um, you know, this is really ego leveling for me. What do I know? You know, I know nothing other than um, my own character defects hurt my family relationships. And that improved as I worked on my program of recovery. So that's the message that I can carry to them, not how to fix their family problems, but how, um, how, I was um, hurtful in my own family, how I walked around angry and resentful. Um, And that, you know, as I gave it over to my higher power and worked on releasing my defects of character, my relationships changed. And so, you know, I I can't, um, I can listen lovingly because I think that is part of, you know, our charge here as, as sponsors. Um, and I know that sponsors I had really listened to me with, with a lot of love, but, you know, the people that helped me the most just kept pointing me back to my part and and acceptance. You know, the things that I cannot change um, were not meant for me to change. and uh, And so I have to have that same attitude as a sponsor. I'm not going to change anybody else's family um you know and then i can hear um when a sponsee is sort of hanging on to a character defect you know i know i didn't let go of anything without claw marks in it um and and so some of my defects um took a have taken a long time and to 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 sort of uh be released because they were once really useful to me and 
you know, and so uh, I go back to them. It's like a, that muscle memory. And um, so, you know, I, I try to help my sponsees by sharing that part, how um, these things didn't disappear overnight um, and that it's all in God's hands. You know, you turn it over to your higher power and um, and now focus on your recovery, focus on, on your food sobriety um, and the things that you cannot solve in your own family. Um, you know, give it over to your higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Vasa, oh, you're up next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, a recover compulsive overeater, calling from Massachusetts. Thank you, do for your uh, service this morning. And here we are working with others. Uh, and for me, I share my own experience by working the steps um, over the years. Um, there's a lot of information in this paragraph what we need to do and what we not need to do. For myself, it has been a process. I am always growing and maturing and getting better as I go through the 12 steps and having that relationship with God. I ask God every morning, you know, like, well, anybody that I work with, I just ask, please put the right thoughts in my mind, put the right words in my mouth, and help me, you know, show me. By myself, I'm such a fixer, you know, I want to fix the world, you know. So, um, and again, my character defects are not, uh, haven't disappeared all at once, but one by one, you know, they have been removed uh, gradually, and, you know, I needed to be patient with myself, and I needed to be patient with others. It's repetition, going back and forth with the 12 steps and examining my, you know, my stuff, you know, and I'm just guiding them. And uh, I'm off the hook, you know. I, you know what I usually say? Here, here's the big book. You know, read it for yourself. If you're willing, if you're ready, I'll be ha- very happy to go and help you. And, you know, I'm not a perfect sponsor either. I'm still growing as I'm going through the steps um, and recovering. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Um, Reva P., you're up next. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I'd like to focus on the sentence that already has been shared on about defects of character not disappearing overnight. Um, As a sponsor and as a sponsee, um, what I noticed and know for myself for sure is a lot of my binging um, was a result of remorse of, oops, I did it again. Whether it was a behavior, a food that I picked up, but it was always like, how did I do that again? I should know better. So this line reminds me the difference between the 12-step program and a diet program or other programs, because the weight, even the abstinence, is not the end goal. It's actually the pre-work to clear my mind so I can do the steps. Um, And it reminds me that this is all, again, about interchange and whole inner rearrangement of my thinking. Um, 
and I'm never finished. It says that in several places that I can't quote right now, but um, I know it talks about a lifetime of spiritual enfoldment and growth. And you know, as a compulsive, impatient person, that's not so easy. I want to be finished, I want to graduate, and then get on with my life. Um, So it's been a process for me um, to be humble, to know I'm never finished. It's not about being a perfect person. It's about aligning my will with God's and keeping that channel open and clean. Um, And the other thing uh, that I wanted to share on is the blessed fact of his sobriety. You know, sometimes, like yesterday, I had the interview, a lot of things went well, two questions I didn't like the way I answered. You know, I could get stuck in that remorse and regret. But I have to remember the blessed fact of my abstinence is not a small thing because getting through something before, during, and after in abstinence was something I could never, ever do. I had to binge to build myself up. I had to binge, if I could, get away um, during. And then I had to binge after for you know dealing with the feelings afterward. And to remember that that is a huge miracle Um, And to not focus on, you know, did I do things perfectly, but growth and progress um, and learning is an uncomfortable process, but God is there to guide me through it. Um, That's all, and I pass. Thank you, Riva P. Leslie P., you're up next, and you'll be our last share on this paragraph before we transition to the next one. Uh, Yes, this is Leslie P. from Georgia, and I wanted to address uh, growth. And I know when I first came into program, I had a sponsor, and she had been recovered for 30 years. And we were talking one day, and she's like, well, Leslie, here we grow. And she was talking about herself, too. And, uh, of course, when I first started, it's like, okay, got to get through the steps. You know, I'm going through the steps, and... Like, okay, got to live in 10, 11, and 12, and then I would have arrived. And, but you never arrive. Um, recovery is, it's, the journey is the destination. There is no destination. There is no end to growth, and there is no end to the work. And I, I kind of look at recovery or uh, the steps as climbing a mountain. And we're climbing this mountain, and, and, you know, there are overlooks. And, you know, we get to stop and rest. And, you know, I, I can work on a character defect, and it's like, okay, my, my character defects are done. <laughs> you know, and I kind of sit at that overlook, and, and then God shows me another character defect. And, and it's climbing the mountain and, and stopping for rest. And, and God's only going to give me what I can handle at that moment. And uh, but anyway, that's all I have, and, uh, and I'll pass. Thank you, Leslie. Now I will have Naomi B. Um, be our second reader. Hi. Thank, <clears throat> thank you, Du. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. Okay, Go ahead. thank you very much. <clears throat> Naomi B., a recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If we have been successful in solving our own domestic problem, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. In this way, we can set them on the right track without becoming critical of them. 
The story of how you and your wife settled your difficulties is worth any amount of criticism. Well, that's pretty heavy for me. I'm I'm still a work in process, that's for sure. As far as um, solving my own domestic problem, I've I've put my husband through the ringer these last 37 years with this disease. Am I going to? Uh, should he go buy me ice cream or shouldn't he buy me? Uh, it's like, you know, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. What I've learned is to pause. I've learned so many spiritual tools in this program to pause before I go off and and being irritated and aggravated and just just nasty to him. I'll pause. I find myself in situations where I'm in my daughter and son-in-law's company, and they're going at it, and I sit there quietly. This is not me, because I have to solve their problem. Excuse me. I have to solve their problem, because this is what I've done my whole life. But now it's different. And now further down in this paragraph, without becoming critical of them. So when I'm working with sponsees, I try to stay sane, quiet, and understanding, never to criticize, because I know no one could have criticized. Well, they could have criticized me, but I would never have listened. And I apologize and make amends to my husband as far as any kind of maybe jealousy or resentment that would come up because of the time that I'm spending on the phone, spending to help others. I'm helping others, but they are so helping me. And this has been this has been my experience, and I discovered talking with others and sharing my story and sharing how situations had come up in my life that normally I would have eaten through because I'm the real thing. There's no two ways about it, and I know I've been the real thing as far as being a food addict since I was born. That's not the way it is today because I go to God first. I go to God. I cease fighting my disease, and I try to the best of my ability to remain spiritually fit. This is the only way I can work this program. And in working this program and living this program every day, I have a sponsor, I do sponsor, I'm a sponsor, that I can function through this disease because it is a disease and it does want me dead. But I don't have to give in to it. And I know it's just for today. And this is what I try telling people. The idea of never eating a cheesesteak the rest of my life. No, no, no. It's just for today. And, And I just try to humble myself when I'm out and I do a little shopping and maybe I've purchased something I shouldn't have. When I walk into the house, I ask God immediately, to remove any selfishness, dishonest resentment and fear, and to humbly walk into the house. And in doing this small little thing, I'll walk in and I'll share with my husband, I hope you don't mind, I just purchased X, Y, and Z. And he says, fine. And it's good. It's good for his health and it's good for my health. And this is a, this is the main thing with having the spiritual kit at my feet and working it every single day, I can remain happy, joyous, and free. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass.
Thank you. We're going to open it up for more sharing. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, I'm me. Hi, I'm sorry. Everyone's talking. Hi, P. I can't hear anyone. Um, I think I heard Haida. Haya. 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 Okay. Um, Leia. Amy. Pretty. I heard Amy, I heard Larry, and I heard Leah. Nancy S. And Nancy S. Chrissy M. Chrissy M. Okay. Let's start off with Haya, followed by Amy G, Larry K, Leah M, Nancy S, and Chrissy M. Let's see how far we get. Okay? Hi, you're up. Hi, up. Press star one to unmute. Okay, sorry about that. I was I got muted in in the in the interim. Hi everybody. This is Haya P from Denver, Colorado. Although I'm in New Jersey, nice uh, nice that the meeting is later in this side of town. Grateful, recovered. Um, I love you know it's been really nice listening to the sharing this morning. And what's coming to mind for me is um, you know that. The, and I, someone spoke about it earlier, you know, that the whole point of the 12 steps, as I understand it, is to connect and have access, gain access to the power that's within me, um, the source of everything. And, you know, having the 11th step to continue to develop that relationship um, has been so helpful and learning through the inventory process that I had a thinking problem um, was extraordinarily helpful to me. And as I've gained more understanding of that, not the content of what I was thinking, but just that I was thinking in ways that were not helpful um, and not true really, um, has given me so much freedom, and I've been able to share that with others, you know, that, um, you know, this this connection I have is always there, um, but for the thought that it's not. <laughs> and um, and just really, that has been the most helpful information, I think, um, to be able to share with others. I used to take, I remember years and years and years ago, I heard, um, you know, a And I think it's in the 12 and 12 somewhere, you know, where it talks about, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. And that was really my problem is I took my thinking really seriously. So if I had a thought that you were doing something wrong or you were, you know, what have you, whether it was a husband or a child or a mother, you know, that you were wrong, I believed that. And hence I felt it and hence I acted upon it and having some visibility to that, that was just really faulty thinking has been such a freedom because I don't even have to believe that anymore. I don't have to believe it. And I instantly know now I don't always, I'm not always um, aware in the moment, right? Because as long as I live from the moment I'm born until the day I die, please God at 120 years, I'm going to continue thinking, you know, and, um, but I can, I can discern better. 
with um, this relationship with God. And that's been the most helpful to share. You know, my experience, my experience is that, you know, what I think is not necessarily true. And, and, um, and I get a feeling which lets me know. And the, the most compelling feeling is that feeling of having to do something, right? Having to do something, whether it's eat or shop or say something. And I'm learning more and more to not trust that feeling. That is not, that is not helpful to me or anyone else. And that's been the most helpful for me to share with others that experience um, more than any other thing. I'm just so grateful this is a program, this is a spiritual program. That's really what it's about. And like someone said earlier, the food is just like, just allows me, putting it down allows my mind to settle a little bit so that I can gain some clarity. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Haya. Amy G., you're up next. Good morning, Hugh. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. My name is Amy. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. The story of how you of how you and your wife have settled your difficulties is worth any amount of criticism. You know, it says in the promises here, it says in the promises here that we will see how our experience can benefit others. If I have a sponsee that calls me on the phone and they're experiencing difficulties in their relationship, I certainly, if I have had experience in that situation, I am welcome to share so if I have experience with it, as long as I remember humbly to myself is that I'm not the therapist here. And like others have said, I don't, I don't help them by taking sides. I don't tell them what, I don't even tell them what they should do. But if I have experience speaking from my own experience, just always saying this is what I have experienced, never using the word you, never telling them what to do by just saying this is what my experience has been, and, of course, always sharing how the steps have helped me and how higher power had helped me go through this process, I absolutely will share what my experience is and how I went through that experience. And as a sponsee and a fellow traveler in this program, I can't even begin to tell you how valuable it has been when I call a recovered person and said, look, I'm having this trouble with this person at work or an issue with a, uh, my mother or something like that. Have you experienced this? Can you tell me how to go through this as a recovered person? What steps should I use? Could you help me with this? And invariably as a recovered sponsor or a recovered network person that I'm speaking to, they'll, they'll, they can share their story. I don't feel judged. I don't feel looked up to, looked down to. All I do is listen to what their experience is. And then I'm welcome to take what I need and leave the rest. I wouldn't be able to function in this world. This is how the fellowship comes to the fore when I learn and listen to how others experience certain circumstances and how they did it as a recovered person and what steps they use. And, you know, as a sponsor, it says here, you know, you're in this, again, if we go to the promises, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. I am constantly amazed how God works by just me sharing my experience, strength, and hope and how that can be used to help transform lives. And again, just to pop back to that other paragraph, I think it's really exciting here. When we're working in a relationship, sorry, trash truck, working in a relationship, and it says here, remind them of the blessed fact of their sobriety. Am I struggling with a sponsee? I remind them constantly, you know, this is exciting stuff. We are not putting food in our mouths right now. We are growing. We are going somewhere, folks. We are working through relationships and setting being face first in the food. This is something to celebrate. Is it hard work? Yes. 
but we are learning and becoming equipped in a new way of life. I hear my tone. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Larry Kay, you're up next. Thanks, Stu. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, um, well, this paragraph has special meaning for me, you know, and it says, if you've been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. You know, I have to remember that God has placed me in a position to be uniquely helpful to them. And, you know, for me, my relationship with my ex-wife today um, is, is a prime example of how this practical program of action can dramatically change a person. And I have to tell you that for many years since becoming recovered by the grace of God, my relationship with my ex-wife and her partner does not look anything like the typical interaction between two people who are divorced. In fact, most people are surprised at what that that relationship looks like. Um, A relationship, by the way, that is forever cemented by the fact that we have a daughter together. You know, there's no animosity towards one another. There's no fighting, no deep-seated resentments, no fear of retribution. There's no underlying tension. You know, there's actually a mutual respect. In fact, I would say there's a true friendship. And you may wonder, you know, how could that be? You know, if that's true, you know, so uncommon nowadays, how is that possible? And it wasn't always that way for sure. And yet the big book reminded me on page 83 that, Yes, there was a long road of reconstruction ahead. In other words, it it wasn't enough to to simply make amends to my ex-wife for harm's done. That was but a beginning. And I share that, you know, with someone else that I would have the rest of my life to demonstrate how this program has transformed me. And frankly, it hasn't been, you know, very difficult, to be honest. The program didn't just straighten me out physically. It did that. It straightened me out emotionally and spiritually as well. And I can tell the newcomer and his family that for many years now, my daughter has not had to experience the venom and bitterness coming out of my mouth. You see, because I I grew up with two divorced parents who placed us in the middle, who, you know, carried vicious resentment towards each other. They spoke poorly about each other in our presence, and they couldn't be around each other without the thickness of that underlying tension in the room. And everyone around them was affected for more than 40 years. And you see, my daughter doesn't know from any of that. You know, her mother and I invite each other to certain family events, and our extended families get along well. You know, this is a design for living that really works, and it's real. Conditional love, including passionate love, fades over time. It's dependent upon my ever-changing feelings, you know, up one day, down the next. And in wrapping up, I'll say that, you know, compassionate love, on the other hand, is like the vines growing, intertwining. They gradually bind people together. That no drug can keep you continuously high. And I I heard it said that when we admire a couple still in love on their 50th anniversary, it's compassionate love that we're admiring. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Um, Leah M., you are up next, and um, I think you'll be our last year due to the time. Thank you very much, Stu. Um, 
focusing in on if you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. You know, think of recovered people like a big show-and-tell operation. You know, we have the opportunity, the responsibility, the obligation, and the sheer pleasure of telling uh, this, you know, about this program and that it works when you work it. Um, you know, why did AA grow by leaps and bounds? AA grew by leaps and bounds for two primary reasons. One, people got sober and they stayed sober. And number two, because families were reunited. And that wasn't just because of the dryness that was going on in the rooms, uh, which is physical. Uh, that was happening because of these principles the transformation that's possible because of these steps, the psychic change, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. Um, so, you know, we carry a message of depth and weight. You know, the, the sentence here says tell. That's exactly what we do. We tell. We are living proof that this program of recovery works. Um, you know, there's a, there's a statement in the doctor's opinion that I really love. It says, in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. Don't you love that? That is exactly what happens in this program. Our lives become recreated. You know, this is not just merely, uh, you know, abstinence, physical solution. This is a recreation, a rehabilitation, a new life, a reordered life. When I came here, when I crawled my way uh, into a locked facility, by the way, uh, and someone cracked open this text and brought it to life for me, I had no tools for living. I had been separated um, you know, a conscious separation from a power greater than myself, unbeknownst to me, and I kept trying to satiate that thirst uh, with the substances of a, of a bag and a box. But, you know, the program of recovery transferred that craving uh, for a craving for God and a godly purpose. And that's exactly, actually the very motor that continues to propel us forward in this work. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a spiritual journey. It's motivating us and invigorating us to bring greater goodness to our loved ones, to our marriages, to our children, to our community, to our workplace, and show greater love. And it's in that love that these relationships are restored and uh, we are stabilized. And, you know, that is a message of hope. <laughs> that is a message of hope. And that goes way beyond a physical solution. We are talking about a renewed life, a rehabilitated life. We have been reborn. And that touches every aspect of our life. And, and that's a message you can walk away with. <laughs> because if it was true for us on the line who are recovered, it's tr it can be true for you, too. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And that brings us to the closing of our meeting. And um, Nancy S. and Chrissy M., please stay tuned for the second half, um, uh, the second hour of our meeting uh, where you'll get an opportunity to share. We would love to hear what you have to say. Um, and thank you to everyone who has shared and everyone who's been listening. Your volume. Zero um, the current conference.
Hello? Okay, um, uh, sorry about that. There was a technical difficulty. But again, thank you to Team Friday, um, for your shares, Patty M, Lisa H, Monica T, Naomi B, Deb W, and all those who listened and shared on the meeting. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will I have Deb W closes up with a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Deb. Good morning, everyone. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give free of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until the end.